الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على وعن سورة الشعراء آية نمبر 34 سورة بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أو يبقهن بما كسبوا ويعفو عن كثير ويعلم الذين يجادلون في آياتنا ما لهم من محيص الله سبحانه وتعالى discussing navigating the seas <coughs> that the ability that he has given man to go out into the sea and travel <coughs> on a boat, on a ship is uh, one of his many ayat, many signs of his power and his existence. Here in this ayah, Allah now gives the other side that, O you bihunna bima kasabu, or that he may just totally destroy them <coughs> and wreck them, shipwreck them, because of what they have earned. But the fact is, that he forgives so much, which is mentioned previously in ayah number 20, that he forgives so much. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves people from drowning and saves the boat from capsizing in the sea is a sign of his forbearance, his tolerance, his hilm, and his ni'mah. Uh, if only human beings understood that whether they are at home living in their homes or whether they are traveling on land or traveling in the sea, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always kind and favorable to them, no matter what they say, do, or think. At the same time, we He also knows those who now contest and debate regarding his ayat, his signs and his proofs and so on. For them, there is no place of refuge, there is no mahis, there is no place where they can seek asylum or seek any kind of security and refuge. Meaning that people who argue against Allah and people who argue against Allah's signs, and they debate and they bicker, okay, they are the worst type of people, that not only do they not believe in Allah, they fight Him. Fighting Allah, obviously, is seen as the worst type of treason. For that, they should be punished. And one day, they will be punished. And when that day comes, they will have no place of refuge and so on. So this is Allah's warning to those people who always want to fight and contest the idea that Allah doesn't exist or Allah is kind and favorable and so on. فَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَمَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوْكَلُونَ 
Here is the beginning of the discussion of the people of Shura. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now brings this uh, idea that these are the inner qualities the people of the Shura must uh, now own and develop within themselves. So the first thing is that knowing whatever we have given you from the provisions of the dunya, from whatever it is that you need in the world, that is only for this mundane world. Whatever we've given you is a means of convenience and use for this world, meaning that a Muslim, if he wants to rule and govern, and if he wants to now give counsel to other Muslims how they should rule and govern, the overarching principle must be that they must all believe this world is temporary. This world is now short-lived. And this is not the be-all, end-all place to live and to enjoy oneself. So this is now the first rule, that Muslims must have this worldview, that the world is temporary. That's their worldview. And for those who now uh, trust Allah and they trust their Lord, whatever is in the Akhirah, in the other world, is much better and is much more everlasting, much more permanent. So when a Muslim is now trying to govern, establish a government in this world, he must do so with the idea that he has another place to live after he dies and this is not the sole purpose of his life. The sole purpose of his life is to have a comfortable life after he dies. So that gives you a better understanding and a better grasp of which types of emotions you are now going to project and what kind of you know, uh, determination you should have and so on. So if you have this in mind, then you'll be on the straight path, as you'll see that they trust Allah much more than whatever Allah has given them in terms of the dunya. عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ وَالَّذِينَ يَجْتَنِبُونَ كَبَائِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَالْفَوَاحِشِ وَإِذَا مَا غَضِبُوهُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ And those who stay away from major sins and those who stay away from indecencies and vulgarities and so on, these are essential qualities for the people of Shura. If somebody wants to be part of the Shura, then they must have these qualities, that they must not be openly committing sin, that people must be believe that they have a sense of taqwa and a sense of piety and so on. So they don't promote sin and they don't commit the major sins. Minor sins, because of human, human fallibilities, and inconsistencies, they are perhaps unavoidable. But major sins should be avoided. And that is another prerequisite for the people of Shura. When you have people who don't commit sin, then they won't promote sin. And that's how you're going to establish a Muslim government. The Muslim assembly is saying that we should legalize this and legalize that. So that it doesn't seep in. The, the psyche is not there. So when you have people who are drunkards and people who are committing sin in your assembly, then that is not the best form of shura. Then you can't say that Muslims aren't doing their jobs. 
because you have not given representation of Islam uh, to the right people. That's the first thing, <clears throat> that their association, uh, their connection with Allah is strong, and they have a sense of duty and responsibility. So they have a little bit of integrity with them. وَإِذَا مَا غَضِبُوهُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ Another essential, salient feature and quality of the people of Shura is that when they get angry, they forgive. Now, invariably, as human beings discuss, emotions will fly high, and one person will say something to another person, and there will be anger, and voices will be now raised, and fingers will be pointed, and the people will be extremely irate in some heated discussions. So that's all fine. So the Quran is saying that once they do that, hum yaghfirun, they forgive the person in front of him, in front of them. The person they debated, they don't hold grudges against the person they debate. This is very essential for shura. Otherwise, you can't have unity in the shura. You can't have a shura when ten people are going ten different directions and ten people hate each other. So the, 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 the issue is not that they are angry. That's not the issue. The issue is where when they get angry, they, they forgive. Meaning that, yes, you're going to have a heated debate, there's going to exchange, and then you forget. They forgive. Uh, that is the essential quality for a person who is going to be in the shura. Uh, that he doesn't hold grudges and he says this is all for the good, the common good, the better good, and it's all for the community, society, and for the government, etc. And one day we're going to die and only Allah will resolve our differences. So you forgive and you forget, basically, and you carry on so that there's a sense of emotional unity, uh, ethical unity, the unity of the hearts, and so on. So if Muslims understood this, then they'll be okay so that you can have a difference of opinion and you can get angry, which is fine, very normal. But to hold grudges, that is not Islamic. You have to forgive and forget and then carry on the work and the mission uh, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who respond to Allah, to their Lord, they answer the call of their Lord and they establish salat, uh, they are very eager to be part of jama'ah, part of the congregation, and if there is a congregation, they will be there, uh, that they establish salat as uh, a communal form of worship, uh, because this has to do with establishing the community. So you have to establish ibadah in the community, as a member of the community, and not leave it to the people who pray. Hmm? So if you want to be part of a Muslim organization and you are part of the shura, then you must be there for salat when the jamaat is now going on unless you have something much better to do. Then that is different. But usually most people who are board members, they don't care too much for this and they assume that they are above and beyond the sharia and that's where everything now fails and everything falls. So that's not responding to their Lord. They are not responding to the Lord, especially when the adhan is given. You hear the adhan, you must respond to the adhan because Allah is calling you uh, to his worship and so on. 
The pivot of the discussion here is that their affair is by mutual consultation. That their affair is now decided with mutual consultation amongst themselves. That is the word shura, uh, is the mashwara and everything else that comes along with it. That you are talking to each other, you're consulting each other, and in that consultation there is debate. So you can debate. There's no harm in debating, as we know. Debate is good as long as it is now dignified and it is within the rules of engagement in, uh, as part of the ethics of debate. Uh, but they are now consulting to get to the better truth, a higher truth, or a better common good, and so on. So that's how they decide their affairs. Yeah. So in between you have salat, and in between, the next part of the ayah, that they spend from what we give them, you have the issue of shura. The shura is so important that you must have mutual discussion and consultation about how you're going to decide. Hmm. The final verdict. Hmm. Yeah, so there has to be a final verdict and the people must agree to the final verdict, even if they disagree with it. Right? Meaning that they will not do anything to counter the final verdict. That's also a result of the shura. The affair, so somebody decides whatever their convention of decision-making is, whether it's democratic, whether it's tribal, whether it's dictatorial, who cares? But the key is that once the final verdict is decided, then everybody's on the same page. You can disagree with it, it's fine. So disagreeing with the final verdict is fine, as long as that disagreement doesn't translate into violence and doesn't translate into rebellion and doesn't translate into some kind of you know, friction amongst the people of the shura. Yeah. So you, you're never going to agree 100% on every verdict. That is humanly impossible. You're not going to do that. Hmm? Even with the Sahaba and the Prophet not everybody agreed with every decision. But they went along with it. Right? At the time of Badr, the Prophet made mashura with the people. One group said, you should kill them. And the other group said, in the minority, take fidya. And the Prophet went with the minority opinion. He took fidya and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reprimanded him. Why do you take fidya? Why do you ransom them? You should have killed them. <laughs> but the affair was through shura. And since the Prophet ﷺ decided, they all went with the decision, even though they disagree with it. So you can't say the Sahaba did not disagree with the Prophet. They did. That's a fact. But they did not rebel. They didn't override his decision by saying, we're not going to follow you. And so on. So that is now the key. That's the key to forgiveness also. Previously mentioned forgiveness. Okay, fine. The decision doesn't go with what I said. The decision went for somebody else's opinion. That's fine. Yaghfirun, they forgive. They don't hold grudges. They don't stay there. They don't dwell on it. They don't cause themselves pain and more emotional distress by second-guessing everything. So, وَأَمْرُهُمْ شُورَا بَيْنَهُمْ is packed, it's loaded 
that it, whichever form of council assembly you agree upon, whatever it is, okay, that's fine. But the idea is that you do have open discussion, number one, and you do have consultation, number two, and number three, most importantly, you must have a final decision. You cannot leave anything unresolved. Oh, as the Prophet said, that uh, when a believer is traveling and there's a group of people, uh, they should make one of them the Amir, so that he makes the final decision in terms of when to travel, how to travel, how many miles to go, and when do you rest and when you do not rest. Even that, the Prophet said, you have to organize. So that the final decision is through some convention. And you now go, go with the final decision. But the same, uh, yeah. so once the final decision is made through shura, uh, and whatever the leader agrees to do and decides to do, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ So the Prophet was told that you must make mashwira with them in matters in the affair of deciding, executing, whatever it is you want to do. Shabirum, make mashwira with them. But then the final decision, when you resolve to make a decision, then you trust Allah. Now the decision may be right, it may be wrong. It doesn't matter. So whether it's now 99% correct or 1% incorrect, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you have decided through the process of shura. The barakah is in the shura, and the barakah is not necessarily in the result, or the conclusion, or the verdict, and so on. So here we say, وَأَمْرُهُمْ shura بَيْنَهُمْ is that first of all, as they understand how to establish salat by following the imam, right? So you have leadership. The imam you follow Unless the imam makes a mistake, then you correct the imam, which you can do within the rules of being in salat. You can't correct the imam outside the rules of salat. You have to do what has been uh, suggested and instructed by the Prophet to do if the imam makes a mistake. That's number one. Number two, that in the interest of being generous, you spend from what Allah has given you. In between the two, you have Amruhum Shura to show that you must respect leadership and authority and you must be generous, meaning generous in terms of Shura, generous in terms of understanding that not every decision is going to be based on your opinion, nor should be based on your opinion. Because that's also humanly impossible. You don't agree with everybody all the time. And then if you do, then you're a fool. You should have your own opinion, especially when al-mashwaratu amana. That the mashwara is an amana, is a trust. If you feel that this is not the right decision, you have to say so. <laughs> because you're part of the mashwara, you're part of the majlis. Al-majalis bil amana. So there's amana, there's trust. People are trusting you that you will give your opinion. What you think is good, what you think is correct. You give that opinion. Now, if the decision is made on your opinion, alhamdulillah. But if the opinion is not based on your opinion, then you become charitable. 
you concede. Yeah, you become altruistic. You give it up. Uh, and that is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is demonstrating that when you have this level of system and organization, there'll be nothing but khair in that organization. So, this is the rule for shura. And everybody in the world, outside of the Muslim uh, countries, uh, they all bark up the tree of shura. Everything has to be shura, shura, shura. And then when the decision is made, then nobody wants to follow the shura. And they go and build their own masjid. Or they go and build their own organizations. Uh, so that's not... They haven't forgiven. <laughs> they hold grudges for decades. He did this and he said that or she did this and she said that. So that's not shura. So these are the salient features and qualities of the people of shura. That first and foremost, they must have tawakkul on Allah. Number one, number two, they must see the world as temporary. That I'm not here forever. I'm going to leave and somebody else will take my place. So it's not something that I own. And then that they stay away from sin, major sins, and they, they stay away from anything that's indecent. And when they get angry, they forgive. And they respond to Allah and they establish salat, respect, uh, authority. And they are very uh, generous, altruistic. Yeah. And in between all that, their affairs are decided by shura with all of these features and qualities around you. How can you go wrong? But if you have only people who follow their nafs and they are part of a shura, then the shura is nothing but the nafs. So the, the ethical component of now, what you call it, Islamic politics is very necessary. You can't have Islamic politics without Islamic ethics. They go hand in hand. If you don't have one, you don't have the other. Yeah, so now everything that the people want to do in the name of Islam, there's no ethics in that. The people fight for every reason and no reason. I'm not just talking about the people of the dunya in this country. I'm talking about people who are practicing Muslims. Sometimes they get into very petty fights, small fights for no reason whatsoever. Okay, so they'll argue and bicker about a convention. Is this sunnah? Is this mustahab? Is this makarun? The proof's in the pudding. Get the work done. You can't argue two hours about something which is not going to be benefiting you nor the community just because you have a different opinion whether this is afdal and this is marjuh or this is not preferred, this is not preferred and so on. You have to do the work. Amruhum. Amr means order. Amr means a system. Amr means organization. That there's a conclusion. Amr. Hmm? It's very determinative and very fixed that you must have an action that you take through your shura. Hmm. So the purpose of the shura is not the shura. The purpose of the shura is the amr. You know that? So it's not the process. It's what you decide. If you decide... Allah will give you barakah, even if, God forbid, it is not the best decision. But you can't now uh, have ikhtilaf and difference of opinion, uh, which hampers you from making the decision in the first place. And I think that's the problem with many Muslim organizations. They just fight and fight and fight. 
and they worried about how Islamic this is and how Islamic. I mean, you're going to be Islamic if you have the ethical qualifications the Quran has already listed, right? That you believe in the Akhirah and you do Salat and you are charitable and you, you, you're not going to get, uh, you know, overly anxious about being angry and all of If you have all of these ethical qualifications in the person, then he or she should come to the table and say, okay, let's make the right decision. Or well, let's make a decision at least. So Allah wants people to take the initiative and then make a decision. Leaving things suspended is not the will of Allah. Amr is also the will of Allah, right? In the Amru, his Amr, his Amr, his affair, his command is his way. He wants you to take the initiative and make a decision. That's why in Istikhara, you're not supposed to delay it for three weeks or ten weeks or ten years. People making istikhara for years. What the heck kind of istikhara is that? You're supposed to do it in three days. The sunnah is that you're supposed to make a decision in three days, at the most seven days. Allah doesn't like people who are hesitant and reluctant to make the, take the decision, either yes or no. So likewise, in matters of the state, in matters of uh, you know, organizations, Muslim organizations, a decision has to be made. How do you make the decision? By uh, understanding the need for taqwa, piety. You must have taqwa in your shura if you're going to be making a decision that is one of barakah. Now the decision, as I said, may be right or wrong. We're not concerned with the uh, veracity of the decision. We're concerned about the process that comes with barakah and then fatawakkal ala Allah. You trust Allah. And then Allah will take care of you and your affair but you must be now careful uh, that you, you don't uh, overemphasize uh, the idea of the process. As I mentioned before, it's not always in the process, it's in the result. So if the result is this way, then it is khair, it is good, and so on. So amruhum shura bainahum is part of the surah, and it is the pivot of the surah that Allah subhanahu is saying. That we have given you wahi, so that you can now dictate and command the Amr of Allah on earth through your government and through your governance. Allah's Amr brings down wahi to you. We want to use the same process of how wahi comes to you in your government and in the way you rule and organize your, your people and in the, the qawm and so that you are very effective in how you rule and how you govern. You follow the same principles of revelation. This is the Amr of Allah, that the surah begins, begins with uh, the Amr of Allah and Wahi and so on. So this is how we, we as Muslims saw the Prophet ﷺ, we saw the Sahaba and the Khulafa Rashidun, that they were able to do this uh, in a very good way. And that's why they made decisions uh, even though it might cost them some brownie points in the community. So not all of the decisions that the Khulafa made were readily accepted by the Sahaba. But once the decision was made, they followed through with it. They did not rebel. So you don't have to be always on the same page. What you have to do is you have to let go of your ego and your nafs and then forgive and forget and carry on the Amr of Allah. It may be good, and it may be not so good, but your taqwa will lead you to, inshallah, a better 
solution, which is your ajr in the akhirah. You give mashwirah with the knee of ajr in the akhirah. And that is how you, you, you temper your ego. That's how you train and discipline your ego. That if my mashwira is going to give me reward in the akhirah, then Allah says, وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى Whatever Allah has is better and much more permanent and everlasting than anything else. If your mashwira is taken, that's great. Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. So this is how you must now be realistic with some kind of commonsensical approach to the whole idea of shura at the macro level and shura at the micro level. You can apply this to your household also and to your house also, that if uh, you have to do things that you don't like, but it's through some kind of process where you uh, discuss, then you may agree or disagree, but the amr must be made and so on. Anyway, the micro we can talk about. Uh, hopefully another time. This is all the macro. Another foundational feature of a government is that they must be willing, able and ready to retaliate when retaliation is needed. You cannot let people crawl all over you and assume that you are a good government. So Allah subhanahu wa says that the people who understand that the akhir is better for them, what do they do? That when they are afflicted with some kind of rebellion, injustice, transgression, baghi, that someone is transgressing against them, hum yantasirun, what do they do? They vindicate, vindicate themselves. They have intisar. They take revenge. Yeah, so you kill one of mine, I kill one of yours. That if you are now transgressed upon, then you must do the same in equitable order, fashion and manner. You don't forgive. Not at the political level. Right? So this is a feature of those people who want to rule and govern. Yeah, more than as Vionor says, that we must now turn the other cheek. Well, the people who say turn the other cheek, they never turn the other cheek. They just destroy you. They're ruthless. They're cold. They have no love whatsoever for anybody. So why are you saying that we should just forgive people if they are transgressing this rebellion? Allah says, no. If someone is unjust against you as a community, then you must retaliate. They must retaliate to show that they are a force to be reckoned with and to show people that they can't crawl all over them and they can't bully them around and push them around and then get away with it. So you don't let people bully you. That's not the way Islam is. Mm. It's not appropriate for a Muslim to belittle himself. That you are being uh, uh, embarrassed by someone. Uh, you stand up, you have a spine, you have a backbone. And you say, no, you're not going to do this. So this is the way that, that you must show strength. But you can only show strength if you have strength. If you're weakly in the first place and everybody bully you. <laughs> right? So how do you develop the strength? The strength comes from the other features 
that Allah has already discussed and described in the previous ayat that you must believe Allah and you must uh, believe the Akhirah is better and you must do this, this and that. That's when you get now uh, strength in your person, in your personality. So you have dignity and honor. Mm. So here we see that Allah subhanahu wa is saying that if you're going to go out into the world and spread Islam and people come and attack you, then you have to defend yourselves. People should not be allowed to embarrass you. Obviously, you have to pick and choose your battles, they say. You have to be discreet sometimes, uh, not always brave all the time. But anyway, the, the, the issue is that you must have a backbone and you must let people know that you will not tolerate anyone bullying you and you will not tolerate any transgression or injustice against you. This is the way that the Prophet was and the Sahaba were the Prophet took revenge from people uh, that uh, who had were, who were very disloyal to him, and people who had conspired against him, and people who had uh, backstabbed him. A certain group of people came uh, from the desert, and they wanted uh, apparently they wanted a Muslim group to come out and teach them. So the Prophet took them on their face value and sent a group of people, and they attacked them, and they killed them. So the Prophet sent a group of Muslims to take revenge from those people. He didn't spare them. He made sure they were punished, and they were punished very brutally. So now take this seerah <laughs> and say the Prophet was a gentle man. He was a gentle man. He was this, that if you are transgressed, Against and you are oppressed, you take revenge. Hmm. It's not about being nice and gentle and turning the other cheek. This is about principle. That if you don't do this, then your whole government or your whole edifice will come crumbling down and people will then come and dominate you and rule you and colonize you. That is what's going to happen. And that is what has happened, unfortunately. Right? So here you need not guts, you need a spine. One is to have guts, meaning you're brave. You can only be brave if you have a spine. If you don't have a spine, then you won't be able to do anything. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making clear to people, as is in this country also, uh, that in the name of 9-11, whatever it was, that how dare you attack us? If you attack us, we'll attack you. And they went to the other part of the world, on the other side of the world, and destroyed people. Simply because of revenge. Uh, so you can't say that these people are uncivilized now. That's the way the world works. Yeah, so you should not be intimidated, number one. Number two, if you are attacked wrongly uh, and you are now uh, being transgressed against, then you must take measures to make sure you inflict the same amount of pain as the pain was inflicted upon you. You can't lie there and take it and say the sabr. There's no sabr in this issue. Sabr, there is a sin. It's an ithm. You'll be held responsible if you make sabr there. What is now the rule? The rule is humyan tasirun. You take revenge. You must retaliate. And so on. Wajazaw sayyatin sayyatun mithluha. Here you go. Ah, that the compensation for an, an evil act. And a wrong deed is a wrong deed. 
Meaning that, okay, if say violence is wrong, but if you inflict violence, then violence will be your punishment. This is how it is. Then it doesn't become a sayyah, it becomes a hasana. There's all mushakalatan according to the rules of bayan and ma'ani in the Quran, for some of you who want to know that. Yeah, so it becomes now that the rule is that if you now do a bad deed, what's going to come back to you is a bad deed. Evil will only bring about evil. Yeah. If you want to discuss this as a theological issue, that might be difficult, especially in the context. I think this is more in the context of some kind of political uh, maneuvering and some kind of, you know, what do you call it, a state level understanding of these ayat and so on. Mm-hmm. And to bring it into a theological discussion, although some ulama have done it, it seems to be a stretch. Whatever. فَمَنْ Then at the same time, whoever now pardons and then uh, uh, reconciles, then his ajr is on Allah. This is after you have established strength. Not before you establish strength. You can only compromise from a position of strength. From a position of weakness, that's not a compromise. That's concession. So there you have to be careful. So this, from an offer, is only after you establish that you have the ability to take revenge. And then after you establish that, if you don't take revenge, then for ajruhu ar Allah, his ajr is on Allah. Not before. Oh, yeah. So this is how we must see this in, in, in understanding how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants Muslims to behave in understanding how to rule and govern and how to maintain their defense. This is about defense, right? Yeah. So now this time that your shura is now going to now give you counsel. And as they give you counsel, there has to be another principle, okay, which is not through shura. This is through Allah. In this ayah is outside the scope of shura. It's not within shura. Meaning that Allah has already ordained this for you. This is already a hukm of Allah. Uh, what is that? That if you are transgressed, you retaliate. You don't need shura for that. You just execute. Bismillah. You can, you can make sure as to how you're going to do it. But you can't, you can't uh, uh, debate as to whether you should do it or not. That's not the issue. The issue is you should do it, but how you do it, you can make much more of that so that this ayah is separated from the previous ayah and it has uh, its own independent ruling. Uh, um, Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love those who are oppressors and unjust. If those people want to be close to Allah and they're doing this in the name of Jesus and in the name of Christianity, then they should know, إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الظَّالِمِينَ He doesn't love them. And he must tell them this theologically, that we believe God doesn't love you. And that would be the greatest slap in the face. Right? <laughs> the idea that we believe that your kafirs is a great insult to them. I'm not saying that you do this publicly all the time. I'm just saying that in our minds we should believe that Allah does not love those who are oppressors, thulm. (coughs) They're unjust towards Allah, therefore they're unjust towards people. One leads to the other. The theology leads to the politics and to the civilizational values.
they all come down the same way. Whoever now chooses to defend himself and chooses to retaliate after he has been oppressed, then for them there is no recourse against them. There is no blame against them. There is no blame against these people and that you must understand that they are doing the right thing. Who is to be blamed? Yeah. Indeed, the blame is now upon those people who now transgress and are unjust against people, and they transgress on the earth, and they rebel without any due, without any right, without any jurisdiction. For them, there is now a very painful and doomed punishment. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now addressing the whole issue. Uh, he is addressing not in one ayah, but in several ayat, so that Muslims understand the role of now self-governance, uh, self-determination, the role of defense, and the role of saving their own uh, images and their own honor and dignity. Yeah. وَلَمَنْ صَبَرَ وَغَفَرْ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمِنْ عَزْمِ الْعُبُورِ However, after all of this, after you've established that you can take revenge, then you are patient and you forgive. وَغَفَرْ And then you forgive. إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لَمِنْ عَزْمِ الْعُبُورِ This indeed is one of the most highest resolves. The most resolute thing to do is to show after you are able to punish and retaliate, that you have self-restraint. Sabr. Those who show self-restraint, and then they forgive. Then that's a different issue. Then that will be that you're promoting the civilizational value of self-restraint. But self-restraint can only be established if you've established your ability to retaliate in the first place, as I mentioned. Not before that. Then you are saying that we are not bloodthirsty warmongers. We are civilized people. But we can punish you this way, this way. So there should be a little bit of intimidation there. After the intimidation works, you hold back. That We don't want to kill all of humanity because you are killing us. That's not the way meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has another standard, uh, which is the standard of ihsan. Inna Allah ya'muru bil-adli wal-ihsan. So Allah commands justice. What is justice? That you retaliate. What is ihsan? That you show self-restraint. So Allah commands both. Mm. So this is how uh, Muslims have been. Uh, sometimes in the past, not all the times. But anyway, this is how Allah subhanahu wa wants us to operate. And the idea of shura and the idea of mutual consultation is that you get to a conclusion, a decision, and then through the scheme and system of shura, you make dua and you allow people now to execute whatever the amr is, whatever the command and the final resolve is. The azmil umur. Again, the word Amr comes in, Azmil Umur. Umur is the plural of Amr, that you must make a decision and a resolve and a resolution. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the tawfiq to recite the Qur'an, 
and gives us the ability to understand and allows us uh, to implement and practice the Qur'an. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayl khayl. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi 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 wa